Hey folks, it's Matt here, just jumping in real quick. So sometimes when the pre-show conversation is going well, uh, rather than interrupt it to say a bunch of web addresses and internet handles, or to pretend like you don't know what show you just downloaded, uh, I'll just let her buck, because sometimes it makes the show better if we can just have a nice, seamless conversation about something. So joining me today, uh, point of this, the reason you're not going to hear my guests introduce themselves is because that didn't happen. Uh, but joining me today are Cassandra and Wynn, both founding members of the Pink Boots Society. Wynn and I have been talking about getting them on the show for a while now, uh, and I'm glad that we did, because it was a fun conversation to have. Uh, so without further ado, Cassandra and Wynn of the Edmonton Pink Boots Society. We hope you enjoy. You are now tuned in to drink this podcast. Matt and Paul G. Chatting top quality. You know they always got a free talk policy. Guests speak honestly. No apology. Full spectrum from politics to comedy. Please listen responsibly. A few brew in, chance of animosity. A couple more brew and the crew getting wobbly. No matter this, the park place of podcast monopoly. Drink this podcast. Um, if you find something that you can embrace with like a childlike exuberance as an adult, dive in. Because that doesn't happen to adults. No. Mine is uh, Disney movies. I can watch a Disney movie like a child. Oh, yeah. And it... Is that like, is it a long time deal or did you develop it later in life? No, I think I've, I've always had it. Okay. It's a love of Disney movies when I was little. It started with Peter Pan. How do you feel about the, uh, the live action? Ooh, the, yeah. we don't want to spend money making new movies. So we're just going to repackage our old shit. So I go back well, and, and forth with feel. those because I hear things like, I remember having, this is how intensely I'll talk about Disney movies, just to give you a preface. Okay. I had a 45-minute argument with three women who are older than I am about how Frozen is not the new Little Mermaid. They're like, Frozen is the new Little Mermaid for this generation. I'm like, it's not even comparable. Like, this is two different things. What the Little Mermaid was, and at that time, is not what Frozen is now, just because they've realized how to animate snow. I was like, you're looking at it from an entirely different point of view than... Well, I don't understand what the what the parallel they're drawing is. Like, was in that, what way is it Frozen? was the inspirational song movie for this generation that every little girl would sing along to, and every little girl's birthday was Frozen themed. And I said that has more to do with consumerism than that does the quality of a movie versus. But that's also where Beauty Little and Mermaid the Beast. and the oh. exactly. <laughs> like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna say X movie is the new Y movie, it's gonna be it's the new Beauty and the Beast. Yes, and that's a whole different story because that's even a different part of being like over commercialized or like a song that goes out on the radio, and that's why more people start watching the movie as opposed to just like the joy of watching like an adventure for a girl and the girl to be the main character in a movie from a very long time ago. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think many people enjoy something in a childlike way anymore because no. you think you're supposed to be an adult or you think you're supposed to be mature or you think you're supposed to be this mm -hmm. and whatever yours is, if yours is baseball. But yes, if I'm having like the worst time in life, mm -hmm. I can sit on the living room floor in my pajamas and watch a Disney movie and sing along totally. and it will change everything. It's super nostalgic. Absolutely. I, I love the live action films as well. Just Are you into them? Back. I'm super into them. Okay. I've only seen one. so They I, don't evoke the same like emotion as like mm -hmm. the cartoons did. Obviously, I watched them when I was a child, but um, they're fun and nostalgic. And I feel like they're for our generation, not for the children generally. Like I watched it with my brother who's 14 and he's like, that's a good movie. Yeah, sure. But like, it's not great. Where at me, I'm like, my mind's blown. Yeah. 
I do think that's nice what they have done, and I'll give this to like Pixar, is when they started to kind of include a lot more adult jokes inside of a kid movie. So when you watch it with like a little person and they laugh at like fart or like, you know, like something just as basic and simple as that. And then you're laughing at something farts else. Farts are funny. And farts, farts are, are very great. funny. Always funny. <laughs> but like, you'll, you know, there'll be something that's a little more, you know, adult humor in it. And they'll be like, what does that mean? I'm like, I'm not explaining this. You go ask your mother. Like, <laughs> but that was always the case, though. If you think about like the genie and Aladdin, like... See that that's true though, and I think that's where I and those am were over the top of our heads at the yeah. time. Yeah, whereas like our parents were probably just like, "Yeah, this is great." Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why my mom always would watch Disney movie with us. I don't know because <laughs> they were tolerable. I like from people who have kids. I hear that it's it's hell to sit through those movies because it's thirty four times a day. When you've heard Frozen, like for the millionth time, sung by a four year old, it'll grate on your nerves, especially if you're hungover. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I, I've I'm also the guy it. who will run and literally anything into the ground, so <laughs> maybe it, it's lost on me. Perhaps, but yes, I do understand the concept of it because you know anybody who gets obsessed with anything, it's just like over and over and over. My boyfriend does this; he yeah. listens to like the same five songs, yeah, all the time. And I'm just like, I can't listen to your playlist in the car right now. <laughs> like we've listened to it once; that's fine. Let's move on a little bit. Yeah, I have one CD, like actual CD, in my vehicle. I don't listen to it all the time, but like, you'll do the full thing when yeah. you do it. Yeah, and there'll be no skipping ahead. Four times. No, I'll go back and do one like four times in a row. Yeah. Move on to something else. But yeah, no, I don't. We fear change. I don't like change. So, like, new shit's a big deal. Um, But I also think there's like, there's a difference between something that you grew up with and something you develop an affinity for as an adult. Uh, Like, for groups of people who don't really change their music habits after they lose their virginity, like, to develop an interest in something new is. Also, I don't think we're encouraged as adults to try new things or do change. Oh, I no. have friends who listen to my life story and they get anxiety just by hearing the story. Yeah. I've changed everything a hundred times and sold everything I've owned many times and moved all over the world and back again. And I'm perfectly happy doing it. And they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you like, like all the things you own could fit in like three boxes. I was like, that's because. So jealous. I'm like. Somebody who's but, packing an apartment right now. I'm so jealous. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but we sold everything. So, and it's not the first time I've done it. Yeah. I'm just like not recently? attached to it. Uh, we got here. F- I got here f- 15 months ago, 16 months ago. You've only been here for. I got here uh, February last year. Like here in Edmonton or here in this country? Here in Edmonton. Okay. Before I actually, sorry, I flew from Australia to Edmonton, yeah. and then cold so emailed both. everybody in town and got a job with Alicat, and then stayed and sent my boyfriend back to Australia. He finished up his job and then he sold oh everything we God. owned no, and I then back to bag and. You're right. This <laughs> is giving me anxiety. See. <laughs> I know many people from this town and the town we left are like that. They're like that. Nobody does that. I'm born and raised Edmonton. I have never left. You've never left Edmonton. Is that right? Yeah, never. Uh, Is that so shocking? Never lived anywhere else? No. Because like you've traveled places. You've been to Hawaii. Yeah. Like I I traveled for like six months one time. So it was kind of a nomad for that. But other than that, you've lived here your entire life. My entire life. Don't you find that about this town? It's not shocking. It's just a, a completely no pun intended foreign concept to me it was like i did not grow up in one spot and Mm -hmm. i kind of bitter about it to this day Uh, but yeah see i did grow up in one spot oh yeah yeah my hometown outside of toronto it's like 45 minutes outside of toronto there's like five thousand people there i don't really have one and i think it stunted my ability to make friends so yeah i've heard this before from i've met people who've like moved especially when you move uh out of country like mm-hmm. i do have some people that their parents were like ambassadors and stuff like that so they moved all the time mm-hmm. different countries yeah. international schools mm-hmm. like no, no, no. and in your head you're like that's really cool but i live in this town because my best friend 
from my hometown moved here and she's my family yeah. and i was like we fear change i'm like i'm gonna move here yeah because at least you know someone it's not even that it's just like and beer was booming here well, but yeah, we had been apart that. for so long that i had no affinity towards going back to my horde town or even anywhere near toronto because beer yeah. there is stagnant so what neighborhood did you grow up in so sad. so sad aspen gardens sorry aspen gardens yeah nice i uh, see i actually find more tra- like you said isn't that what you find about this place no it's not uh, I find oh. far more transients here than I do native-born Edmontonians. Really? I think that more so about Calgary, so that's an interesting hmm. statement. I, I kind of agree with you, Wayne. Really? Yeah. I have, I mean, most people that I know have stayed here. Everyone wants to leave. Everyone's got this, like, aspiration to move to Vancouver, and but then... They, they always come why? back. Yeah. Why? Or you they come back. to Vancouver? I don't know. Yeah. I'm fucking... That's fucking ridiculous. What a stupid thing to oh, say. I just like have a lot of thing friends here who... Like, they think it's, cr- like, even just my best friend who moved here from Toronto after she finished chiropractic college, and that's how she ended up here, because she went to school with somebody from Edmonton, mm-hmm. and more there was more jobs out here. Like, obviously, with the school being in Toronto, it's flooded with chiropractors, so, yeah. you know, it was a good idea. And then she married an Edmontonian, and, like, you talked to her husband, and he was just like, he thinks we're insane, because we moved across the country, let alone the fact that I moved to the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of his friends are like that. He moved. 10 blocks from his parents house was i bought a house there <laughs> gee i was so that was my follow-up question did you live in the same house your entire life as well like you no i no. moved around a ton okay yeah i went to several different schools and moved around the city um you're killing me man i'm sorry sweetheart okay. <laughs> as soon as i did it i was like that's gonna sound horrendous that's not that bad that's what uh, the springs are for sorry go ahead <laughs> I settled on you too mike <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I moved all over. So I changed schools. I had to make new friends. Like I kind of get that process a little bit when you're like eight years old. Mm-hmm. Like you're not really keeping those friends that you made at the previous school. No, because you don't spend any time with them anymore. Like it's a friends by necessity, not because you actually have things in common. Yeah, yeah. sort of. But my mom was like really good um, with keeping me in touch with some of my friends. So That's I good. have a handful of friends that I still hang out with today mm-hmm. that I've known since I was like six. So yes, and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have like childhood friends right so how many towns are we talking about here man um so i i was born in calgary i was born in the foothills hospital i was there till i was three we moved to salmon arm bc and i was there from kindergarten to third grade and i was also part of one of their mutant school system experiments where i like didn't really do a full year of kindergarten or first grade uh, so I'm also a year younger than everybody that, in my graduating class. Uh, from there, we moved to Carsland, which is just outside of Strathmore, outside of Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there four, five, six. In grade seven, I moved to California for a year, and I did seventh grade at California private school, which was, ooh, that's a weird place to to spend a formative year. A private yeah. school of all that. A oh, private yeah. school. I have... We'll touch base on private school if you want to later. Yeah, yeah, no, no. We went to university with some private school kids, and fuck, those guys are weird. Yeah, no, they are weird people because their parents are fucking loaded and they live behind gates. Uh, It's bonkers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then back to Strath. I finished high school in Strathmore, but I pretty much insisted. Like, if we were going to move back to the house, like, so, like, the house I lived in four, five, and six is the house I lived in through middle school as well. They didn't end up. They didn't sell it. We weren't gone long enough for them to sell the fucking mm-hmm. house. Okay. 
Uh, so we moved back there, but I told them I wasn't changing schools again after that. And so I so high school you were in one solid yes, high school. Yes, yes. Well, high that's school not... I was. No, that and that is beneficial. But I, I was in a high school that had grown up together. Like they all went from yeah, yeah, yeah. like small town Alberta. They all went K to 12 together. Yeah. Or like there's, you know, some additions, but a lot of them know each other from from like. Which childhood. is practically impossible to move yeah. into because there was a girl who did that in our high school. Mm-hmm. Moved in right when we all started, but we'd all know each other since we were Yeah, babies. so you can't, it's hard to, so like one of my best friends was an immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> was, he'd, he'd, he'd lived in California before, and that, like in 12th grade, yeah, we were super close. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also like had the advantage of knowing some of them, but yeah, it was, it's not, a, it's not an easy way to, to develop positive relationships with people or, but i, I want to know more about cast growing up because again i've never really met some never really met somebody as an adult who like lives in the place that they grew up did you go to school here as well right like, like have we ever talked before <laughs> i mean we've spoken before not about this matt was it <laughs> yeah, yeah what matt. yes matt, matt who now where am i yeah um do you what did you go to u of a or did i you, did yeah, yeah i did started you? at grant McEwen and i transferred over nice what did you take at grant mac biology and they did that same in u of a uh, yeah, so it's general studies. I went into dental hygiene, and then I was like, that's not for really? me. Yeah. I might, I think my mom was just like, yeah, this is a good tradition, or this is like a job that you should probably do, you know, just yeah. get into it. And I was like, sounds great. Yeah, they make decent money. Because like, they make decent money, and it's pretty, like, it's a, a practical approach to It's the, very practical. Education. Yeah. And uh, so I got in, and I got accepted, and that's when I transferred over to the U of A. And okay. then, um, it was very shortly after when I was like, I do not want to look in people's mouths for the rest of my life. So yeah. people's mouths are gross. Cause they're gross. Yeah. yeah. And I had like my chiropractor telling me like, Hey, you're pretty tall. You probably shouldn't be hunched over people all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that is going to cause problems. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Great. Um, but I really enjoyed biology. So I kind of dipped into that. So right. ecology and environmental health for the most part. Oh, neat. Yeah. Uh, my roommate in university was an environmental science major. Oh, good. Um, so why don't you work in environmental science, environmental health? <laughs> what, what's the, where's the shift? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just never got that far. I, the, my fourth year of university, I started working at Yalehead Brewery and I was working in a tap room and what I was. What year is this? This would have been 2013. Also like right in the boom. Okay. So you're yeah. like five years younger It was like then? right, it was like six months. I was born in 90. Okay, yeah, yeah. Before. And it was like six months before the laws changed in Alberta. Yeah. So oh, it was what, like, a, it was what like, a prime time to start working in beer. Totally. Yeah, it was super exciting. And like, obviously, Yellowhead is uh, a little bit bigger. So they were able to establish themselves before that had happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was working with them in the tap room. And then I was running tours and I was brewing on weekends and I was having a lot of fun with so it. So you really did like work your way up as it were at Yellowhead like that kind of yeah. took off as a, as a good opportunity for you well obviously sure was yeah I was just like started just working weekends like filling growlers and kind of hanging out in the brewery and yeah. then the second I graduated they're like hey we can offer you a full-time sales position which I was like you guys are crazy like I have <laughs> no experience in sales like I'm definitely passionate in beer which at the time I think looking back like yeah. it was impossible to find someone who was just like passionate about right. beer back then it was just like finding people that were cool or trendy or just could work for low pay yeah. <laughs> and uh obviously those didn't fly well like and cassandra and i know each other through uh through working in beer and like i met you when you worked at yellowhead mm-hmm. but it, like i find it neat that there is now an old guard and a young guard uh like the concept of a beer rep in and of itself is pretty really geologically pretty new thing for this at least this portion of the the liquor industry mm-hmm um, so like I enjoy that 
the like you i would consider you and i to be like of that first ilk and then there's like a whole younger generation of people that come up under that so i enjoy the like progression but it's neat that like i find it neat that that was just you wouldn't start filling growlers now and then just be, somebody wouldn't look at you now and be like would you like to brew as well like we have this totally. huge multi-million dollar system back here would you like to play with it yeah you've been filling growlers for a good three months i think it's time <laughs> we step you up a little bit just doesn't like that wouldn't happen i don't know anymore. like i feel like it would depend on the size of the company that you worked yeah. for like i mean i couldn't say that about where i am now no. but i do believe as cash just said passion is a lot of it yeah like i'd hire someone with passion over like skill totally mm-hmm. and i think that's how because a lot that of really us... replays like well in mm-hmm. almost anything that you do if you have the passion i can teach you the rest of it oh totally. absolutely and like so many of like so few of us have a business or sales background pre-beer mm-hmm. like i think mike might be the only guy i can think of who's actually got a business degree right uh, yeah mm-hmm. that's what he's that's what his degree's in isn't it yeah commerce yeah, com- yeah exactly like so the uh it's just it it yeah it, it was the kind of the general attitude that if you liked it enough you'd be good enough at selling it mm-hmm. um which was soups awesome for me it's great well that's why i always say that you know craft beer is kind of the island of misfit toys like there's so many people who end up in this industry that came from all kinds of other places yeah i mean i was gone for so long so everyone kind of looks at me like i'm you're poor. the furner yeah so and also because <laughs> Well, you know, other than Neil, I mean, Chase is the only other person who's worked in beer as long as I have. Yeah. It's just he's, he's done it in only, one place. Only other person who's been there for as long as anybody. Yeah. And I've Who done it all over the place. So it's already a weird kind of environment because you already feel like, like, I feel like I'm old a lot of the yeah. days where people are just like, oh, this is mm-hmm. so fun and new. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like the bazillion time I've ever had this conversation. Right. And not, <laughs> and not in a bad way, but, oh, I, or like sometimes I'll that say. Was, that was very real to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in the other sense, like. And I mean, I'm not saying this to sound arrogant, but it will sound arrogant. Like I say things, you know, since I've moved here because Edmonton is booming in beer and it sounds like I'm the Messiah. And they're like, that is like the greatest thing I've ever heard. Um, Like that's pretty standard practice. in secrets wizard. A little bit. (laughs) So, and I just kind of sit there and I'm like, okay. I mean, I don't bring it up. I'm like, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to tell you that I've done this 19 times before or like, like, you know, that everyone else is doing it. Beer and cheese is probably the biggest one that seemed to really hold in when we started hosting beer and cheese and it was just like oh my god this is like the best event i've ever thought yeah, of. it's almost like hundreds of fucking years ago a bunch of religious people were like all we need to live is fermented like uh, is yep. still is solid milk and fermented uh, <laughs> wheat juice yeah brilliant yeah so who could fuck it? who could have yeah. they literally it. subsist on only that yeah <laughs> That's one thing about like getting into craft beer. It's sort of like getting into a family that you didn't know you wanted, but then you found out you did. But getting out of the family is really hard. Is really difficult. Yeah, it's kind of cultish. Do you guys need another beer? Um, oh, I oh, should take this narration. Oh, yeah. yeah. Would you like another beer? I would love. I would like beer. to try that. Yes. Uh, also, beer in the freezer. So you you went to Western, and then uh, did you leave immediately? Did you fi- did you finish? I finished. It took me five instead of four. Mm-hmm. Took uh, me six. Uh, because I drank too much in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I drank um, too much at the end. Also, <laughs> didn't. it w- really wasn't for me, but it wasn't a choice. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't get a choice to go away to school. I got a choice of where I was going. And yeah. I know that sounds like a weird thing, but it was just an always, it was always an is. Yeah, uh, I always felt the same. Like, I didn't feel like I had a choice. Uh, I If it had been up to me, I would have taken at least a year off and maybe not gone back, but... It seemed like it was pretty necessary, which was twice as infuriating when I like, like uh, I, my mm-hmm. older or parts of my uh, 
of my family are of the po- position that um, education just means more money, not yeah. like actual like learning how to think about shit. Or and so they don't really like it when you go off to university and come back like one of those working in beer. Yeah, well, not even working <laughs> in beer. I think. Uh, oh, I'm the black sheep of my family for working in craft beer. No, Absolutely. no, beer was great because I was in sales, so he got that. Like that was something he could understand. Oh, okay. Uh, and not that he was ever like unsupportive. Just it was just he. He didn't couldn't wrap his head around it. So no, sale, beer was great because man, I was a salesman, so he could talk to me about something. Yeah, okay, yeah. Awesome. My whole uh, family looks at me like I have three eyes. They're <laughs> like, you make a living from beer? Yeah. Oh really? See, this is something I've never encountered because. Oh like, really? No, never. Oh wow. This, the 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 thing I get or the thing I'm starting to learn about. This is very good, by the way. The is this Norwegian table beer? Yeah, it's my first, new obsession. First Bjorn. Yeah, Clever. funny name, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good. great name. Yeah. Um, the thing I encounter now is a bunch of O and G guys, uh, which is makes it all the sweet, all the more rich, right? Because they're pretty condescending about it. Like dudes who have been in oil and gas since the eighties, yeah, uh, or if not before. And you know, the the first question is, so how's beer going? Which is a really condescending way, sending way of saying, did you fail yet? Yeah. Um, have you got any money in the bank? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and oh, then I've had it. It always follows up with a, you know what you should do. No, please, old oil man. Tell me what I should do to market and sell my product to you, a man who feels clearly feels pretty fucking entitled. Yeah. Uh, my partner works in oil and gas. Oh yeah. And I was in a, I was in a job that nobody understood. I was the only girl and foreign girl that mm-hmm. doing it as well. And we would go to functions, and I, I was used to not fitting in, and that was perfectly okay. But that was like a new level of not fitting in, like. So uh, let's back up just a little bit. Do you go straight to Oz after you finish? Uh, I do six months. I do six months. I work two jobs. I put a bunch of money together. I go to Oz. I go backpacking. And that, like, the reason you worked the two jobs was to get the money to go backpacking? Correct. And then you just stayed? I just stayed. Is it that easy to do? No. It was, it is entirely the reason I have gray hair. It took years off my life and $15,000. I dye my hair. Should never isolate. I'm just kidding. No, I don't care. I absolutely dye my 50s hair. Anymore. I absolutely dye my hair. Um, no, it was not a well thought out decision. Like my decision to come and move to Edmonton was. It was sort of like I worked at a great brewery. I was a bartender. I was going to go backpacking. I had to be back in Canada f- five months later because my brother was getting married. Right. So I already had a ticket back. Okay. My dad lives in Australia, so I was visiting him. Okay. Friends got the job at a great brewery. GFC happens. Everybody I know back home who got out of university got these great jobs. First ones out. Mm-hmm. Like they're all bartending, and I'm just GFC. Like, great financial crisis. Oh, 2008. Yeah, you, I'm wait. older than you are. Are you? I'm 37. You are older than I am. I was gonna say your kids have a name for it, but <laughs> to us it was just what happened. <laughs> It was just life. It was just life. Well, it didn't happen as bad over in Australia. And I was like weighing it up. And the company I worked for, they're like, well, you have a business degree. You you could be a salesperson. Like, we'll sponsor you. Yeah. And I was like, well, this seems like a cool idea. I like working here. I think I'll do this. So and a real why not kind of. Correct. Which is not the worst So I came home, place. came back to Canada, did the wedding, went back, did the sponsorship thing. Then they were like, oh, we don't think we can sponsor you. So then. Oh, God damn it. I've made this big move. I was dating somebody. My dad had, my dad's kind of a due diligence kind of person. Like, 
you know, hope for the best, expect like prepare for the worst. So you met the boyfriend over there. Like, so he's yeah, there. he was from there, and he's like, if you guys are gonna move in together, you should just put your names on a lease together and do all the stuff you might need in case your visa doesn't go through. Well, of course, my visa didn't go through, so mm. then he had to sponsor mm-hmm. me. So now we're we're dropping like grand, like yeah. it's going. Oh yeah, it's not cheap. And. Mm-hmm. Then it all worked out, and then I dropped more money to become a permanent resident and that kind of stuff. And then the company I worked for got bought out by a major corporation. We all knew. They made us all redundant. We were like, cool. I was like, thanks. I needed that money for immigration anyway. Mm-hmm. And then we, myself and two of the guys I worked with, we all ended up at another brewery together, but not even on purpose, like just by chance. <laughs> and they were just about to go national, so it was a huge thing. They needed a team that yeah. kind of knew. And because we'd all worked for the same company, we knew exactly pretty much nationwide mm-hmm. where every single one of Little Creatures Pale Ales was going to be pulled off because they ended up under somebody's umbrella yeah. and they couldn't be poured at the same pub. So we just hammered our pale ale in there. Nice. And that's what we did. And it was great. But it sort of snowballed. Like it was like, it was not my intention. It's very much the disappointment of my father. Oh, yeah. Well, I went to business school and he thought that I would, he's like, at least if you're going to work in beer, can't you just work for a major corporation? He's like, I worked for Molson's for like 15 years. Like, it was great. I was a VP. I was like, mm, okay. Yeah. You worked for Molson's at a time where old white men got jobs. Yeah. I'm like, you never did anything <laughs> with beer. That's also right now. Um, <laughs> I can't say that about Molson's because I haven't been near Fair. their corporate portfolio recently. I Fair. can't say that it is all that. But at the time it was, and he was there because he had a business degree, not because he did anything with beer. And I loved beer and I was pretty deep in like... Yeah. I loved what I was doing. Was it working there that did, did, did that for you? Absolutely. So, so I got like there the, right when they started booming. You got the job and that's, that fuels the like interest. It's like all, gay money, but also this is kind of neat. Pretty much. Like I'd always been a beer drinker, but definitely, I mean, craft wasn't here. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, like Steam yeah. Whistle was craft in Toronto. Like I'm not saying that that's a craft beer now, but no. it was the first place that kind of started doing something that was a little <laughs> bit different from what everybody else had already put out. But I also think Burton's are a little bit, like as much as their beer industry was so stunted for so long, were spoiled early because they had Big Rock and like that yeah. felt like enough for a while, for far too long. For far too long. Um, yeah. So like it's it's so weird to think of thinking about steam whistle as your craft option in Ontario because like well we had brown beer yeah you guys did awesome. see that's the thing um, so and we and I mean there was Sleeman's and Sleeman's isn't far from my hometown and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so that was around but nowhere near where it is now and yeah and it was nice to be in the boom and it's one of the reasons I moved here because right. after being craft beer for so long and it got huge like it and it like it's doing here yeah but. Being in the boom was nice when everyone was behaving like family. And even though our first family got broken apart, like we all moved to new places. We would go to beer mm-hmm. festivals. Like everyone still behaved like family. It was still really nice. And now it is just cutthroat. And Over there? Yeah. Ooh, that's too bad. Because there's too much. Yeah. And there's not enough places. Is that foreshadowing for what's, co- what's, <laughs> what's to come? What's to come? People keep asking me when I think we're all going to stop behaving like family. And I was like, I can't tell you. If I, if I saw it coming, I would say something. Yeah. yeah. Like I enjoy how welcomed I was here. Yeah. I well, was at the first beer awards I went to. I feel like everybody really was genuinely getting along and like absolutely. cheering each other on for awards that you were winning. What does cutthroat mean? Australia runs on tap contracts. It's pretty much their bread and butter of what they do. So you can sign an agreement, an exclusivity agreement with a bar. Correct. Like Unlike you can written? do here. Unlike you can do here. Cause like it definitely still happens here, but, but it definitely still happens, but it's not, you're not supposed no. to. Yeah, of course. You yeah. couldn't you know, like enforce air quotes. it. 
Yeah. No, but there it's very much on tap contract. And so if you, you can get dropped for like the tiniest little thing. So as things were moving and you're going through like Western Australia is very much like Alberta. It's very country town. Perth is very much like Edmonton. So, um, all of that stuff. And we spent years trying to teach people about craft beer. Like, why don't you try craft beer instead of drinking like two extra dry or VB, which mm-hmm. are just two very common. Yeah. And, um, and they'd be like, no, I don't drink that stuff. Like I don't drink that things with the, with the flowers and it smells like marijuana. It smells like this and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. And <laughs> then we went probably just before I left the second brewery I was working for, like it started getting to the point of just being cutthroat. Like and our company wanted us to be that way. And I kind of yeah. struggled cause I'm like, well, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take a tap from one of my pink boots girls. Like I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like they oh, work for much smaller, the like they work for much smaller companies than yeah. I do. And you can send somebody else in to do it, but I'm just not, that's just not who I am. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we're making plenty of money and you guys have gone to a weird place where you were, you know, you were happy when we were going national and everything was great. And now you like want to take over. And then they sold to Coke like six months after I left. The right. Right. Okay. I can't believe you brought up Vic Bit. I remember when having Vic Bit was kind of a thing. <laughs> it's still a thing there. Yeah, well, I, it was a thing here. Like, there was a guy who would come in my store that I worked at in Calgary. My store, like, I fucking ran the place. The store I worked at. And he was accented from that part of it. I won't pretend to know whether he was Australian or... New Zealand? New Zealand, because... Still fair. I know they don't like to be confused one for the other, and I'm just going to admit I can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was all... Like, we had Vic Bit, and it was a fucking big deal to him. Like, Yeah, and it was a big deal for me over there. Like, you know, if... Like, a Canadian beer would even come by. Mm-hmm. You know, like, my girlfriend's from Texas, and I, we once spent $100 on a case of Coors Light <sighs> just because we wanted to, like... Oh, my goodness. See the mountains go you cold sp- and drink them. You <laughs> spent $100 on stale Coors Light. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was like buying the nostalgia of the thing you just can't have. So, and we were like, and it was right near, it was during the Olympics, actually. And it was like, I saved it just to get up early to watch Canada win the gold. Nice. And it was more so, it's the memory of the fact that, like, literally now you couldn't pay me to drink Coors no. Light. Or I any mean, commercial beer, really. It's yeah. a running joke around so work. that cold. Yeah. So... Because I just, I'm just too old to drink shitty beer. <laughs> it's just yeah. not the same thing anymore. Too short. See, yeah. and my attitude has, has become like, so it kind of starts to get my hackles up when I like, let's go do something. And the first question is, well, do they have any beer? I don't know, but that's not why I'm going. Like, Yeah, that becomes kind of an age thing where you kind of siphon out of it. I think my friends like, won't take me anywhere if there isn't craft beer. They actually will announce it. I check the menu. They have craft beer. Will you still come? I'm like, I would still go. Go anyway. I just wouldn't drink the beer there. Like, Are I'm not a monster. Are you talking about, like, just restaurant specific? Yeah, just right. anywhere. Like, And I think it is. it does become a bit of an age thing where... It, your your priorities kind of change a little bit, I think. Is that what you're saying, Matt? Is that like when I'm um, Well, so like, the one I think about is the ballpark. Because I'll go and I'll drink a goddamn Bud Light in the sun because I'm sitting in the sun. And like, yeah. the, the, this is like, what this is in my hand is so far from the point. Mm. Uh, but I also don't mind having a beer at the ballpark. Like it's they got Granville thing. now. They do, uh, no, they have... They have Stanley Mill Park. Street and that's Stanley right. Park. That's what it is, yeah. I know, because my group of friends and I almost drank them out of Stanley Park, because it's the only <laughs> beer that any of us could really get on board with. Yeah. And there was 30 of us, so about half of us uh, were drinking craft beer. And I said to the server, I was like, how much of this do you have? Because we're here for the game. And like we got a booth and everything. And then she was like, 
I mean, we don't sell a ton of it. I was like, I would genuinely send someone to the store. Oh, maybe the Granville's in the home plate lounge. Like, were you sitting right behind the front, right behind the home plate? No, we were just over to the side behind the behind the dugouts. So we just rented out like a one of those private. suites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was for my friend's birthday. But how, how much did that cost? I want to do it real bad. It was thirty dollars a person, and there was about twenty five or thirty of us. Okay, so whatever that math is, it, yeah. it was totally reasonable. You yeah, get yeah, yeah. table service. They you can have drinks in there and food. My friend brought all the stuff for like her boyfriend's like birthday, like cake, cookies. You could bring food in, or did you yeah. have to? She was, they were fine with us bringing food in. I want to rent out that whole field. You yeah. want to rent out the whole field? Uh, mm-hmm. So I really want to organize. I'd like I talked to Shelly about doing it. And I think it's just too much work for me to put in at the time and, and probably, liability, maybe. Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> I really want to organize a Brewers softball game, like. People have been talking about it for years. I Let's know. do it. Uh, I know. I really want to well, do it. Well, you pretty much have half the... Like, I mean, you yeah, have a team have now. Play on your slow pitch team I already have an industry team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're in. Uh, but I really want to do a North versus South. Uh, like, Does it have to be game. at Remax? Does it have to be Alberta? <laughs> no, you can play. You're, you're, you're in. You're south. Right, south side, you're in. Um, no, it doesn't have to be. I also thought, of, thought about doing it at Red Deer, where I'm sure there's a functional ballpark we could use. It would just be fun to do it. So for me to justify putting as much time into it as I want to, and I want to come back to Pink Boots after this, so don't let me forget about that. Okay. Um, after this digression. Uh, so what what I would like, and the reason I would think about this is because I really do enjoy beer festivals, but I also enjoy one beer festival per market. And, in, and I want to know how... Uh, I want to... I want us to look for new and interesting ways to showcase our product that aren't gather in airplane hangar, get shit faced. Um, like Good that point. aren't, which is like it. I know that's not to talk down or to diminish what ABF does or what, uh, what is it? Loud city does with the international up here. Like those are events that have value and worth, but only mm-hmm. I'd like the value and worth is only extends so far before you're just, putting your beer in the same hands for the same reasons every year over and over again. So like I, what I want is a way to meaningfully showcase beer that isn't that. And if you could bring a bunch of brewers together that would work with a charity, everybody donates a mm-hmm. keg. The reason I want to do it is Remax is because I want to put the beer garden in the outfield, like up on the, against the warning track and yeah, kind yeah. of up there. You don't know how far I can hit. I'm pretty sure if you can hit the ball 420 <laughs> feet, then you're I watched in the wrong her play. Business. She's got a good swing. Um, Let's go. Every time, I, and I did see a dinger get hit at, at Remax the other day, but that was the uh, which is the first one I've ever seen. I've been going there for a while. Um, <laughs> but the reason I want to do it there is because you've got the deep ass porch. You could put a beer garden in the outfield. Let the charity run the beer garden, so they like they're responsible for that. That way, we can donate the beer, and we'll just play a cup. We'll play a double header. Like we'll have a good time and people can come and watch. Like, and also at Remax, like you could do that. You could bring a crowd out to watch mm-hmm. this happen. And, and you can play under the lights. Exactly. Yeah. I, just think, I think it would be a fun way to get people out to watch us work together at something that wasn't making an intoxicant, but also drink our intoxicant and have a good time outside. I do agree with your statement about beer festivals. Cause I've thought this for a really long time is Probably about ten percent of the people, from my experience, that are at a beer festival are like super craft beer nerds, yeah. right? And the rest of them are there to get drunk. And the rest of them are there to get shit faced. They're there from four to, to yeah, four to six. 
yeah. you get the nerds and then yeah yeah and then and I'm a nerd. so it's like what am i really doing with my time so then you know you go through this gauntlet of like do i just pour like put warm bodies in the here who know a little bit about stuff in case a beer nerd comes by or do yeah. i actually like genuinely lean in to some people I think the education is the biggest thing for me and it's educating the consumer about what mm-hmm. you're doing and why. And if somebody, you know, walks up to you and just goes like, Oh, I'll take that because it's 8%. Be like, you'll have this because it's five because you don't know the fucking difference and I'm mm-hmm. not going to waste my time. And I'm not saying that I'm genuinely trying to lie to people, but getting people away from that idea of, of like, I'm just trying to get the highest amount yeah. of alcohol into me so I can get as drunk as possible as fast as possible. It's, it's why I kind of like the influx of low alcohol beers, like the one we're drinking right now, which is three and a half. It's very good. Uh, mm-hmm. Dandy's Ultra, which was two and a half, and the Pink Boots uh, Brew was also a two and a half or three percent beer. That we I feel did like this it was year. three. Yeah, it was. I think it was a little higher than what Ultra was, yeah. but they're mm-hmm. similar beers. Yeah. Oh, I'm low. all about a good mid strength. Australia is all about a good mid strength. I've been waiting. Are we calling for that mid strength? Well, I call it midstream. Okay. So, like, it's just a term that Legally, Australians use. We have to call it light beer. Okay. Yeah. So they don't. They don't have that term there because light beer. Because I mean, you think about Coors Light, it's like five percent. So then they get very confused about things. So totally. they're big on the midstream. That like, hundred dollar case of uh, Coors Light. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still um, totally standing behind that decision. That the, the beer nerds that I see discuss it, and I've been approached with this question, which is like, which kind of again, like, I wonder why you're asking me that. It's is it cheaper than than strong beer? Like, is it cheaper than a six percent beer? Yes. No. Well, it takes the same process. It, yeah, it's the same process. It takes process to make. Essentially, yeah. We're still just brewing a beer. So obviously, there because I don't know all the Alberta rules that well. So there obviously isn't a less amount of payment for excise because it's under five. I know it's more if it's over what like eleven point one or eleven point nine. Eleven. If it's over eleven point nine, you pay more. I don't know if it's less. If it's under five, mm-hmm. but I, I I don't think they're I don't think anybody who's asking about that question is like is the government taxing you less? They're like, you're not giving me the same buzz, so am I paying you the same price? I okay. want to just like up of a whim think that it's not the same because there's many session IPAs that are four point two. It's yeah. kind of the average, and their prices are not any less. I feel like we would have heard something. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was just or a curious question because that's the way it is in Australia. Or yeah. so. or people would take more advantage of it. You see a lot more four point nine percent beers. Yeah. Yeah. If there Quotation. was a, if, yeah, <laughs> exactly, if there was some kind of tax demarcation, yeah. Uh, but I really find it interesting that like the people who are interested in the science and the process and the end product, regardless of how drunk it gets you, versus the guys who are here on some level because they like to get they like to get drunk, which is fine. Like you can like that. That's no judgment. Uh, but also want to feel cool. Yeah. Uh, like it's a it's a handy way to cover up uh, a healthy drinking problem. Yeah, uh, is like if you have a six pack at lunch, you're drunk. If you have an eleven percent IPA, you're a connoisseur. Um, I've definitely heard that. So, in that concept of, you know, if I drink six beers but they're all craft beers, then um, I'm a connoisseur. Yeah. But if you just had six like normal, yeah, like over the counter, like don't whatever. call it normal beer. I will come across the table. <sighs> Corporate beer? What do you call it? There, uh, a macro. Macro? I like macro sure. beer. I will mm-hmm. absolutely use the words that you like. Um, I just... Also, normal beer is my, like, I normally festival pet feet. What do you have that tastes like normal beer? <laughs> like, here's the style guide, sir. Show me where the normal beer is. Yeah. And But I think this is where, you know, as an industry, we spend... I mean, I spend 90% of my time teaching. Mm-hmm. But it's also something I truly, yeah. truly love. Yeah. And you, you kind of have to. And... 
because uh, you you end up having that like you say you have that same conversation like Absolutely. 50 times a day but yeah. like one of these so days I tried, you're gonna hear I me think I, f- I found mm-hmm. joy in it but I do really enjoy turning that that one person who's like I'm never gonna drink a craft beer yeah yeah drinking craft and it's mostly just because like they literally don't know the difference yeah. and if you just gave them a beer and told them that was like their macro mm-hmm. they could be halfway through it and I would say this with full confidence because I've absolutely done it yeah well, I did it to my boyfriend's family all the time because they refused to drink any of the beers that I brought for free mm-hmm. because they were just like, we don't drink that stuff. And I would just put okay. it in a cup and I would give it to them. I'm like, you're halfway through a craft beer. Right Which now. if you were to say the same about a beer they offered you would be incredibly rude. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they just, that's, I mean, like Australians the, are different though. Oh, right. They're also Australian. Like there's a different set of norms. I, yeah. I, I don't know what like the going over to someone's house culture is there. It's so much different than it is here. Yeah, I, mean, I can only mm-hmm. imagine. Like, it's, and it's not, I mean, whereas I guess probably for most Canadians, I would actually say it, it's definitely a rudeness factor. Huh. It's very relaxed. Yeah. Like, it's very much like you go in and you leave your shoes on because you're probably going to be outside and there's just beers in the fridge and you put your beer in there and you go and get your own stuff. Like, you know, like somebody might be doing a barbecue. It's like a real it's, Mikasa Sukasa kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, and I'm not saying that Canadians aren't like that. I mean, if you go to your best friend's house, of course, you just like walk in. I have a key to my best friend's house. But it's, there's a different etiquette here. And I only notice it so much because my boyfriend is Australian and I'm, I'm stopping him from doing, doing something. So I'm just like, we don't do that. And yeah. he's just like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, no. Not like, here. It's not. <laughs> it's not the norm here and you need to adjust. That's um, interesting for sure. So we're going to set aside for a moment the notion that you went through all that process and spent all that money just to come all the fucking way back yep um i'm fully australian now i just like say that i have a passport passport. oh so you've got citizenship and everything you can come and go as you please it was not nothing i (laughs) I got my fucking money it became became a point of pride near the end where i'm just like i am not leaving this place without it 100 percent. is it also true for you Cass? like is yellowhead your introduction to craft as well um where i started thinking of it pretty seriously Yeah. yeah like i remember 18 um doing like tours at alley cat and drinking <laughs> apricot was like my first craft beer and like being blown away that this was a uh, brewed in town yeah. um and i remember like going through the brewery tour and like i was with i was dating an engineer at the time and so all of his engineering friends it just seemed like way over my head very scientific it was not what i expected and um what really got me into it was like just picking up a keg at yellowhead and where i was like this is fucking cool like can i swear on this yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. please fucking do great um i remember i was i was having like a a saint uh, saint patty's day party and generally would always get a cake from alley cat which was great and then uh i went to mercer the, the weekend before and they had this like uh, this yellowhead tap takeover and i was like tap takeover there was one beer okay <laughs> there's banners of yellowhead so i was like great we'll pick up a cake there and i went down and then the guys were like making green beer at the time which is something i don't really um, appreciate anymore but at the time they're like yeah we'll throw some dye right in the cake and yep. you can have a green cake for your party and I was like this is great and awesome. I just got to hang out in the brewery they poured me a pint when you, back when you were able to do that and just like oh, yeah. have a beer and like hang out with the brewers yeah. kind of thing and I was just completely stuck in from then nice I, and I like it, it, what you say about like picking up a keg at Alicat every year it's something I noticed when I worked there is the weird sense of pride that a lot of people took in the place um and I mean, not weird. Like I, I, again, I don't. I don't want to sound like condescending or belittling because it is a very serious and real thing, and it, and it is something that I I find very compelling. But like the sense of pride that they would have that like even if they were just getting like what was at the time Charlie or what is now Skoda, um, that they could get something that they liked that was brewed 
in the place that yeah. they lived. It, like I don't even even if they couldn't identify it, you could like read it off of people that they thought that was like you hear that's the, a yeah cool you hear experience. that story. It was a lot. such a cool experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or that apricot was like their entry to craft beer. Yeah, yep, it's a gateway. And back. Scona, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So or Charlie. Well, for some, it might have been Scona the first time. <laughs> Either uh, one is perfectly acceptable, but mm-hmm. I do think I agree with you, Matt. There is a lot of that, and I think there's in a. I'm glad that still happens. In a in a nice way, there's kind of like an ownership that a lot of mm-hmm. customers have towards Alley Cat. Well, then, like I've been coming here for you know 15 years. To, totally, and even if it's only twice a year, that's still a lot. Yep. Like, so I think that part is still nice, and that's still going on. Good, I'm glad to hear that because like, that was something I always really really enjoyed about it was that the, there was like you're right, it's a sense of ownership, like. Um, I, it, it's something that comes from where you are and like we yeah. like we're regional creatures by nature uh, I once I heard it recently uh, put out that they should actually double the number of sports teams because like sports are such a regional thing that there should be more of them not less of them like you should move back to California <laughs> where there's <laughs> fucking 40 sports teams um, it was specifically said about Major League Baseball but you could say it about the NHL as well like it shouldn't be a problem because it like it doubles the talent pool. It makes it actually more accessible, which is what's interesting about sports in the first place. If you can think like, I could do that. I'm not gonna, but that guy could do it, and I'm at least a third as good as him. Um, uh, so yeah, like the regional aspect of it, like it's from here, and it's uh, it, it, that sense of ownership. Like I went to school with that guy. Exactly. Like, yeah. I went to high school with your with your son or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad that still happens over there, though. That's, Absolutely. That brings me a lot of joy. So, um, Australia is where you find the pink boots. Like, so the re- <laughs> after like After all minutes, of that. <laughs> uh, like, the reason when and, and Kaz are here to chat with me is, like, they're, uh, would you, are you the founders of this chapter? We are, actually. Okay, so you're the founders of the pink boots chapter here in Edmonton. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is it just the Edmonton Pink Boots Society? Well, Edmonton and greater area right. because they didn't really, I was just like, you know, how far out can I go? And they're, it, it, for all better half not sounding like it, it doesn't matter. They don't care. So, so as far as we wanted to go, because there's also a Calgary chapter. Right. So yeah. it's we split basically the whichever one you wanted to be part of, you could. So something I found that I learned just this very day that I found quite interesting is like, I've always been aware, like the Pink Boots brew in a lot of breweries has been a thing for a few years. Is it the Calgary chapter that's organized it up to this point? No, I think where it comes from is um, Pink Boots started in 2007. Because mm-hmm. it's, sorry, what I learned was it's an actual organization with like. Correct. It's an American organization and it started in 2007 and it was, you know, craft beer had already boomed there. Mm-hmm. It was everywhere, but it was um, founded by one female who had been trying to be a brewer and a head brewer for a really, really long time and found that she met a lot of other women in the industry who sort of shared her same experiences and right. things like that, but they didn't have anything and a way to communicate or talk to each other, spend right. time together. There was no support structure. Yes. So okay. where the brew days from a lot of the last couple of years, there's just, I would say based on the internet, based on most of them are based around international women today. And I think it's just a really cool concept that people are embracing because if you do mm-hmm. have a bunch of women who work in your brewery, Perhaps maybe not all of them are brewers, but it's a nice way to get everybody around together. So I think that that's where you're seeing a lot more of it and where that stems from, whether or not you are a 
all of you are Pink Boots members or if just one person is right. or whether or not you wanted to be part of your chapter's Pink Boots brew. And it was a big collaboration or like we did in Alberta this year where there's a lot of really small ones, which was cool. Mm-hmm. So what can, like what can you tell me about the organization as a whole? Like, is there like is there a mandate? Is there um, kind of a a driving force behind, like a driving reason behind it? Is it to promote uh, the participation of women in the industry? Like how what's their kind of education is pretty much their biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Education and in, like inclusion. So okay. um, as a chapter, we have to have four events a year that are revolved around education mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Okay, does the, and does a brew, would a brew day count as an educational process? Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely 100%. say it is, because maybe there are people there who have never brewed at all or been had a chance to be in the brewery. Maybe they're just in marketing or something like that, right. or they work you know, in accounts. They all count because they make a wage in beer. In beer. So to, to be a member, you need to earn, earn some, some kind of monetary gain from working in, a, in the beer industry in some capacity. So that could 25%. 25%. So that could, in theory, be like retail. Like if you managed a retail liquor yep. store, that counts. Even bar attended, right? Yep. Okay. Even not craft beer, just beer in just general. Beer in general, beer in yes. General, right. okay. Cass is correct because I tend to make that uh, that hiccup and I keep trying to stop myself. <laughs> I keep getting caught out. Do you say out. craft beer? I say craft beer. I don't, I don't mean to exclude anyone because it's not that thing at all, but I think it's just ingrained in me that I always say craft beer instead of beer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Cassandra and a couple of the other girls are being really good about making sure that they huh. correct me. Thanks. Anyways, so yeah, it's, it's about women who work in beer okay. and make at least 25% of their wage, and they can do it from right. all kinds of different walks of life. Pink Boost didn't always like, uh, wasn't always like that. Originally when it started out, it was just for brewers. Okay. And over time... For Brewsters? Um, for Brewsters or Brewers? Brewster, uh, Brewsters is a, what a female is a female brewery. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Oh. Interesting. You learned something today too. I like learning <laughs> new things. Me too. Um, so I think over time the organization itself started to expand. Okay. So when I joined it in Australia, that was the other thing. I mean, it had only been in America. One of the girls I knew went to America, went to a bunch of beer festivals, found out about this, wanted right. to bring it to Australia, and basically just kind of shoved it on the 12 women who she knew worked in beer right. in different states. Like, we're all going to do this. And we went, that okay. sounds great. So um, my biggest reason for starting it here is, one, selfish, because mm-hmm. I just moved to town, and I like hanging out with women who drink beer. Yeah. So it's a great way to make new friends. Totally. Uh, and I love getting the opportunity to teach people new things. So... Edmonton didn't have a chapter. It was actually one of the things I pitched when I was looking for work, that it was a big portion of what I loved best about working in craft beer was the chance to watch Pink Boots grow. So we started with a chapter. There's only four of us for like eight years, Mm -hmm. and we were not welcome to do anything. Uh, There weren't venues that wanted to deal with us or anything like that. Really? Like venues would reject you? Yes. I'm assuming you don't have that problem now. No, now there's 65 people in that chapter that I left, and I'm really proud of that. So I think it's really cool, and it just took a bit of time, just as anything does. So um, however fast or slow this chapter works, I'm I'm here to put the long haul into it to make sure that everyone knows about it and can feel included, and whatever Edmonton needs its Pink Boots chapter to be, that's what we want to be. So whatever the members are saying to us about what they want to learn and what they want to do is what we're trying to emulate to yeah. organize and just put everyone together. How many members do you currently have? Nine. <laughs> That's it? Yes. But Pink Boots just did a big overhaul on all of their membership stuff and all of their financials. So they just basically revamped their oh. whole back organization. And they're kicking in money? 
Like we, they're they're financially supporting your education events. We support our own events, so we basically. So what the fuck do they do for you? They give you a basically like a rough outline of making it easier to run things. Okay. Like so they give like, you like structure. And they give you structure. Okay. So like they people apply for membership and then they organize all of that. Yeah, and they have some like partnerships that um, they work with in the states too, right. and like hop farms and places. So, so there's access there that would huge access. Not be okay. Yeah, like when we did our pink boots beer at Yellowhead, they had um, like the hop profiles kind of picked out for us, and so they had contracts where what was the uh, what was the hop company? But they donated fifty percent of of their hops or something like that to the Pink Boot Society, so it's the connections as well. Okay, yeah, no, that that makes. Yeah, so if you wanted to join in and do your brew that way, you were getting a discount on your hops um, from Yakima, um, Chief Hops, and it's whether or not call it Yakima. Yakima, Yakima. I always call it Yakima. Tomato, tomato. It also drives me crazy that Americans call it the Willam the Willamette Valley because it's fucking Willamette. Oh, I was I've like, always I'm heard it. Well, we'll it as Willamette. well. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it drives me bonkers because you wouldn't call it a cigarret, uh, but they definitely call it the Willamette, Willamette Valley. Okay. So how and do we c- say this? There's a, a huge argument. Is it Kvike yeast? That's in this Norwegian beer that we're drinking right now. I call it, I say it, kv- yeah, k- like closer to quack than Kvike, like Kvike. Kv- Kvike. But it I feel like soft. It's, uh, the way Colin told me to pronounce it was close to quack. And that's, that stuck in my head because then it was quack, 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 quack. Great, because I've had hour-long conversations about this yeah, before. Yeah, Drew so. and I went pretty deep on it once, and I asked <laughs> Colin about it. And, like, because Colin had quack. used it for the Back to Dungaree High yeah. uh, double IPA. And it's, it just means yeast, though. Like, it's, writing Kavak yeast on your can is like writing ATM machine. Like, Kavak means yeast. Yeah, but it's a special, special yeast. It is a special strain of yeast that people will, people are obsessed over right now. But no, f- yeah, people are really obsessed with this yeast right now. Can tell the difference. It's totally production based. Like the 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 yeast ferments hot and it ferments fast, so you can crank out a beer in a week. Uh, but if it goes sideways on you, it's ugh, it's not good apparently. Right. But your end consumer will likely never notice the difference. But you do understand why you can't just write. Like Quebec on it because if you did, nobody would know what you were talking yeah, but about. It's also, so you have but, to write yeast. But bragging about using Quebec yeast is like bragging about your IBUs. Like the consumer doesn't, they don't understand what that actually means, and it doesn't really matter. It's a it's a production level, it's a production level thing. Like it's a beer nerd thing that really only means something to about one percent of the population. Exactly. Yeah. But like forty like percent of them ask. Yeah. Like um, saying what? Sorry. Cryo-hops. Like cryo hops and. Yeah, everything on the proje- production side of exactly. things. Exactly, like it's it's more it's more interesting to someone who brews beer than it is to someone who drinks yeah, beer. Yeah, well, let's cater to them a little bit. Oh, and I'm happy to do so, but I don't want to I don't want to convince a consuming customer that they need to care about that because it's it's really it. I can't think of it. I don't want to use a sports analogy because like that's getting a little gauche on this podcast, but it's the best one I can <laughs> think of. So it's like talking about. RBIs. RBIs don't Matt likes f- baseball, by I the do. way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I and I just read a whole book about statistics and now I have opinions. Um, <laughs> RBI doesn't fucking mean anything. Like I'm impressionable is, too. It has nothing to do with your production as a hitter. It has everything to do with where you hit in the lineup. IBU doesn't mean anything because it doesn't factor in anything else but the alpha acids, which your average drinking consumer won't notice. I wonder how much these breweries would save if they just didn't put those 
five letters on that can. <laughs> How much they say just, the can costs every year. <laughs> I do think, no, that makes a really good point about it. Cause there's two different ways of looking at it. Like when people come, like the way we talk about something, when we're educated and we know what we're all saying, I have this conversation with our head brewer a lot because he speaks in a way Who that is your head. Is it chase chase? Yeah. Okay. He speaks in such a science way when we're doing events together that I watch people's eyes glaze over because mm-hmm. they don't understand any of the terms that he's speaking about. So then it's almost like I'm translating for him yeah. mm-hmm. into more of a, you know, a layman's more understandable way. Or when I'm speaking to people and he's around and I say something really basic, he feels like he always jumps in and he's like, it's not that. And he gets really quiet. And I understand yeah. what they're doing is amazing they put a lot of passion and hard work into it it's not like i'm trying to take away from that but i have to sell the same product to a thousand different people for a thousand different things so it's a difficult way of being like i understand that these things matter to you i think what you were saying yeah if i'm I'm hearing you correctly and also that's my that's my industry way of expressing that thought if a customer asks me my my statement is very different but ultimately comes to the same thing like people care and they want to know and like from dandy's perspective as a company in my work life we make a point of not bringing it up and if people ask my kind of like sanitized explanation of it of like my translation of it doesn't fucking matter right is you know we that's not something we really focus on because it doesn't really it doesn't tell you anything about the beer like knowing that number doesn't tell you anything about the way my beer tastes it's like going back to like university though and you take those introductory level courses and then you take the third your course and they're like okay so just forget everything, everything you learned, you learned <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter anymore. yeah basically I mean, fluffing it's, you it's the not whole wrong time. it's just that they're it's not also exactly. black and white exactly and like and i understand what you're trying to ask me but asking me about ibus like you know a shitload about beer is just telling me that you you think this is important and it's not yes because like you do get a lot of people that do that they say they're like i know what ibus or it's like when people correct me when i'm teaching and that kind of stuff and they'll say something and they'll say it loud enough so i can hear them and then i will stop them and be like you're actually incorrect i'm correct we can discuss this later or i can finish the uh-huh. tour I... and it's just because and it is a perception of life that i absolutely accept for my industry nine times out of ten it is a dude i was gonna ask ah, what happened i don't know you dropped a bolt yeah, um yeah i was like it's it's a fucking dude isn't it <laughs> yeah and i'm okay with that like i I accept I'm that. also not going to ask you to like talk about how shitty men are in this industry like Mark did. I'm a better interviewer than that. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, I get where he's coming from, but that's really not the point of this. Like, I feel like he thought that we were going to go that way, and I'm adamant about it's not like that at no, all. It's, uh, no, like, that would defeat the purpose of inclusion, but also yeah. sometimes inclusion means like this is a space for women to participate that doesn't involve any men. Totally. Uh, but that doesn't make it exclusive. Like. Not at all. It's I mean, just we're just bringing them in in a safe environment where they can build confidence. And yes, or if we have events where we do, you know, that are hosted by women. I think a lot more women would come if they did have questions. Mm-hmm. It's just a male versus female thing. Sometimes you don't want to be mansplained at. Yeah, yeah absolutely. To find us like a safe environment, like um, we did that tap takeover at Arcadia for International Women's Day yeah. beer, Brute Day, International, <laughs> International Women's Day. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was really cool when you looked around the room was that there was just as many guys as gals hanging out and supporting. So it was really nice to yeah, see. That is, and it, and it is like at times the least and most woke place to be industry wise. Like, I, and like maybe I'm a dude and I don't want to like 
I don't want to claim any titles of ally or supportive because like most people who do that are not that thing. But like yeah. being a guy who notices things like that um, and yeah. is kind of like has spent enough time thinking about it that recognizes like shitty microaggressions and weird behavior that you just wouldn't like it's not a wonderful place at times. I'm like, man, if this was my everyday reality, I don't know that I would still do this, but also like, I find it so little here comparatively from where I came from that. From yeah. That, really? Um, it, it almost catches me off guard if it ever does happen. Huh. And you have to, you'd have to come at me pretty hard, like a spider monkey to get a, like an actual reaction out of me, as opposed to just a comment of, thank you for sharing. Mm. You're incorrect. We're going to keep doing the tour. And if you listen, you might learn something. And that's about the extent of, and it's just more of a playful type of yeah. way, as opposed to just literally being shut down or having a hand put in my face or asking me every time I showed up to judge, am I here to pour? And just those, those constant digs. Well, but it's also like, at least from my end of that, of that equation, uh, some people are more comfortable saying things in front of me that they wouldn't say in front of you Mm. or in front of another, in front of a woman. Um, so like, but also like, I, you picked the wrong guy too. Like I'm not here for, we're at work right now. So this is But I mean, it exists Mm -hmm. everywhere. I just don't. I, it just hasn't really been my experience since I've been here for the last 15 Interesting. months. Interesting. And yeah. I, I don't know about Cass, yeah, whether I, I, you've, I, I, had more, you've been here more time. I don't know if your experience has been different, but... No, honestly, I've definitely felt included 100%. But the, yeah, like you said, there's certain times, right, where I'm sitting at a table and someone's talking about the beer that I represent, and I pride myself in knowing my my catalog quite well yeah. and the brewing process and all the nerdy things to it and someone will look at a male right next to me and ask me what uh, a, a Norwegian table beer might be and I'm like I am sitting right here yeah it's it's like the equivalence to like when I used to like if I would go take my car to the mechanics and I was with my ex-boyfriend and he would just I'd be like what's wrong with my car and they would just look at him and then tell him what's wrong I'm like yeah. I'm paying for the car this is my car I'm paying for this bill like it's you can talk to money, me about it yeah like, I want to know yeah. what's going on with my car just little things like that. Yeah. It's so minor, like, but it it still exists today. Mm-hmm. And I like. I wonder how much of it I I like how much of the like raw end of it I see. But like, I think specifically about like, uh, do like other people I interact with that that will specifically comment on the attract how mu- how attractive they find like other reps or like their yeah. staffers or what have you like. And you pick the wrong guy. And I think that's we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna change the world or anything like that. But I do think that you know that's where Pink Boots falls into a place because there are just times that you know women don't always feel super comfortable yeah. in their environments or the people they work with or some of their brewers when they are asking questions. So that's what a Pink Boots event is. Come and learn with us, right? Where you maybe feel it's a, a lot more space. confident to ask a question or something like totally. that. That's what I have found. And we all go through a lot of the same experiences. So as I have been doing this for a long time, for girls who are just getting into it, you know, I mean, we're in a boom now. There's a lot of jobs going around. Yeah. You know, they're they're asking me questions of like, what do you do when someone does that to you? Like, how do you handle it? And what can I do mm-hmm. to make myself mm-hmm. not feel like I'm being belittled and still making a sale? Because yeah. I mean, a yeah. lot of people are out in sales and you're not going to, you know, you're interacting with a thousand different people every day. You're not going to get every guy no. that's going to be like, this 100%. is a great idea. Like equality. Mm-hmm. No. And on the other end of the stick too, like how many people are always asking you, like, how do you get into this beer industry? You yeah. Know? And it's just a great way to be like, there's thousands of different ways. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. where I find like a lot of the pink boot stuff does allow us to just be out and around and, and giving some women who, you know, are doing a lot of the hard work who don't always get to be at the forefront 
Well, and that's kind of what I find the like the focus on education and making money in the industry, like not specifically from brewing beer. Yeah, uh, I think is like the two most important things that you've hit on today is like to include people who need to know more and might not have the environment to learn in the way that they need to and focusing on actually teaching people things like on, on developing skills and developing a knowledge base that allows you to confidently participate. Yeah. I would say that's actually a really good description of it. Yeah. So, and again, I like, I'm not going to lie selfishly. I mean, I met Cass cause she was doing Edmonton brewery tours and then they got started doing that at Alley Cat. And that's how, you know, mm-hmm. and Erica and Shelly and Lisa, like it was all just sort of like, I'm I trying to yellowhead Lisa. Um, one of the three yellow. Yeah. One, of the, one of the three Lisa. Blank. One of the three Lisas uh, Lisa. now. Yeah. The feminine mat. Yeah. <laughs> so. Lots of us. Um, and I feel like even just the first meet and greet we had, there was probably about twenty women there, or so who had sort of heard about it and that kind of stuff. Nice. And it was a comment that our owner had made. You know, like what, like a friendliness he had said that the group of complete strangers felt, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a really nice comment because I felt the same way in that room with a bunch of people I'd never met before. I think everyone felt very welcomed and there was like an instant friendship type of thing that was sort of going on. A bunch of complete strangers with something very specific in common. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Neat. That's awesome. That's great. I'm and I'm glad. Like I, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't realize. So maybe and I also conflate the International Women's Day brew with the Pink Boots Society because it's often referred to as the Pink Boots brew. Yes, because it happens on that day and they've kind of correlated everything. Yeah, together. yeah. So there's there's definitely brand association. Yeah. Um. So and I think like the guys of the brewery call it the Pink Boots brew. So I maybe it is maybe that was my con- conflating it, not realizing that there was like an organization or, or a chat, like you could form a chapter of this organization. Well, right? it's not big in Canada either. So, I mean, there's only three other chapters here. Is that right? And one's in Calgary. One's in Calgary, one's in Vancouver, one's in Toronto. And now there's one in Edmonton. Uh-huh. So um, our, um, our biggest thing that we've been discussing is, you know, how much more can we do with the Calgary chapter and reaching out to them. And I would ideally, you know, if I was dreaming big dreams, you know, next International Women's Day because Alley Cat has offered up uh, the space and the time to be doing an, you know, Alberta-wide, like, pink boots brew yeah. for everybody. Mm-hmm. Brewing the same recipe or... Brewing the same recipe and doing, like, a big kind of, you know, following along with whatever kind recipe... Like what the Unity pink... Brew does? Exactly like Unity Brew. Yeah. But just great. with more ladies. <laughs> yeah, no, fair. Um, so, that would be awesome and, like... That's my driving we were... force right now. Back to what we were talking about, about showcasing our product in more interesting ways. That's a, like from an industry business perspective, that's a really awesome way to showcase your product. Yeah. Uh, especially if you could like, you know, the logistics would be a nightmare, but if you could coordinate that, like where that's going and how that's being, like if you could put multiple versions of the same beer brewed in different places uh, together, I think that would be a really compelling educational tool as well. Terroirism or whatever they call it. I think that might be like the year after because yeah. figuring out the logistics for the It'll first one is, is oh, already <laughs> it's already kind of like been brought up around our place and I was just like yeah yeah like I'll, I'll be good I'll be good but we're in anyone who talks about <laughs> wrangling cats I'm like yeah imagine if those cats were drunk yeah absolutely drunk cats so I think <laughs> but I do like your idea on it because it kind of was my idea you know did we do we all kind of try and do something mm-hmm. similar and then put, put variations on it and do it like is it one two three four and five or is it yeah. like you know like 
named after Greek goddesses or something like yes. something like that. But it's again, there's a bright future for I think a totally. lot of stuff. There's We've, a lot of potential in, yeah. in to to grow that idea for and sure. I should before I forget give a shout out to the guys from Bent Stick because they've also asked us to do a collaboration beer with them just nice. at their you know with their just their little spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually approached us so um, about changing their their wizard into something more of like a Wiccan or something like that. Mm-hmm. They want to get a bunch of not just pink boots, but a bunch of like hospitality women they know and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. And being reached out to like that and already even just Arcadia doing that tap take over. I mean, this is already far more inclusive than mm-hmm. the first chapter I was part of. So oh, good. I, have, That's awesome. I think we're going to have a really bright future of some really fun stuff to do. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. That's great. Well, uh, thanks ladies. This was, uh, this is a good one. Y- y'all, y'all done did, did good. Y'all done did good. Y'all done did good. Yeah, thanks for having us, Matt. Mm. Thank you very much for inviting us. Hey, my pleasure. I uh, my podcast partner moved to Calgary, and sometimes all of our internet sucks, so like, I got to fill some space. And I would rather fill it talking to interesting people than not. So you're interesting people who are doing an interesting thing. Cool. Good stuff. All right. All right, we're going to say thanks once again to Cass and Wynn for sitting down to talk a little bit about their own personal journeys and the Pink Boots Society. If you want to learn more, find them on Twitter at Society. On Instagram, they're Pink Boots Yeg, and you can find them on Facebook as well. If you're curious about learning more or maybe becoming involved or maybe going to some events and learning some things, check check that shit out. Check them out. Uh find the show at drink this pod on any social media platform that you might use if that's where if we're on it that's where we're at uh you can email us drink this pod at gmail.com you can also visit our website drink this or patreon.com slash sd studios if you see some value in the content we're creating here hit us up over there for as little as two dollars you can help support independent edmonton based radio on the internet I am at Slingsbot, and until next time, we'll drink with you again soon. Big ol' dicks!